The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. All right, let's try that again. Good morning, Movement Church. It's a little bit better. We'll work on that throughout the service. I know Clay is out there, so if I need anyone to talk back to me, he's going to talk back to me this morning. You should thank him later because he's going to make all this go by faster, so you're going to get to your meal quicker. So just thank Clay after the service. All right, so if you haven't already figured out, my name is Bree, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Movement Church. But let me just clarify, I am not one of the lead pastors, nor one of its normal communicators. So if I say something frustrating or just straight crazy, make sure you come back next week. Hear the real preachers, Patrick Carrier and Megan, preach next week. I promise you won't be disappointed. Well, today we're in week three. Everyone say week three. We are in week three of our series, Marked, where we've been following and discovering the markings of a Christian or the characteristics of a Christ follower. And we've been following this. It's actually a heading in your Bible in Romans. Paul talks about this in Romans 12, 9 through 21. So if you've got your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen, let's go ahead and read it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. If you didn't hear it, Megan spoke an incredible word about being genuine two weeks ago. Check out the podcast. Outdo one another in showing honor. Pastor Kerry brought a word last week on showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's good. All right. So let me just ask you a question. Have you ever thought about the power or the intensity that a natural disaster causes. Hurricanes and their gale force winds, tornadoes and their sheer size and speed, right? Tidal waves and their vastness and intensity, they cause a major impact due to their passion and their intensity. So as I was studying for today, I just started thinking about this. Wow, it's so crazy how big of an impact they leave. And what if, just what if, we were called to live and lead a life that leaves this kind of impact? Not the impact where FEMA is needed and required because we have been such a destruction and a disaster in our world that people are needed, like help is seriously needed, right? Not that kind of impact, but the kind of impact that we have so much passion and intensity in the way that we live that we just leave a mark on everything that we touch paths with. I believe God has called us to live such lives. In verse 11, in those verses that we were just reading, it says this, Do not be slothful in zeal but be fervent in spirit. What does that even mean, zeal? It's not even a word we use, slothful. Is that like a sloth hanging upside down? Avery talks about him. She thinks you're really cool and fuzzy. I don't know, something like that. No, do not be slothful. That just means don't be lazy. Don't be sluggish. Don't be slow moving, but be passionate. Be, have intensity in your world, right? Do not be slothful in zeal. Zeal is another word for intensity or passion. So be passionate. This, This scripture is literally telling us don't be lazy. Live passionate lives, right? 
So this morning, for all my type A people out there, we're going to call this message, because I know like titles to messages, they just make you happy and warm and fuzzy inside. I'm type A, so I can say that. We're going to call this one Staying Zealous. And Paul actually gives us four keys to staying zealous directly after verse 11. So we're going to jump right in. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, serve the Lord. I know you're already thinking I'm going somewhere with this. Well, yes, I am. You should serve the Lord. There was a point in my life where I was running hard after what God had for me. I wanted to know him more. I was diving into his word. I was just so hungry for what God had planned for my life. It chokes me up just thinking about it. But I came to a place of stagnancy, and I didn't know what change I had made to inadvertently cause the shift, but I definitely wanted to figure it out because I'm a fixer. And so I was like, how can I fix this? And so I went and did what only I knew what to do in that moment, and I went and talked to my pastors. And they challenged me, serve the Lord, jump on the team. They actually said, don't be like the Dead Sea, which had my mind a little bit boggled at the time. I'm like, okay, I don't really know what that means. Not really good with geography, but sounds good. I won't be like the Dead Sea. And by the way, let me just say, if you don't have a pastor or a Moses in your life, you desperately need one. None of us, we, we talked about this a few months back, none of us need to go about life without a Moses in our life. It's, it's so important. And the Bible also says that those who preach the word are, double, are deserving of double the honor. And so I had a choice to make when that challenge was brought to me. So the Lord, I could have been, like many other people my age, I can say that because I'm young, we're millennial and thinking it could have just been all about me. That sounds great, but that takes a little sacrifice. So I'm just going to put that one on the back shelf. I'll come to it at another time, right? I could have done that. But I was like, nope. I learned something growing up in church. I'm just going to honor what the man of God says, and we're going to hope that it works. And so, luckily, by the grace of God, I honored that, and they were so right. You know, what they realized that I didn't, when he said, don't be like the Dead Sea, is the Dead Sea has a major life source flowing into it. It is the Jordan River pouring into it, but there's nothing coming out. There's nothing pouring out of it. So what happens is it builds such a high level of salt in it, the environment becomes so harsh that there can be no life. And that's why it's called the Dead Sea. All because it's got something flowing in and nothing flowing out. See, I was stagnant because I had a lot of people and a lot of incredible people flowing into my life and pouring into who I was as a person, but I wasn't taking that and turning it right around and pouring it out to the generation after me, right? And so we need to make sure that we are not like the Dead Sea, in this place. So I know what you're thinking. This is all a ploy to get you on the dream team. Well, yes, that's right. Do we have some people on the dream team in the morning? That's right. I love it. Oh, I'm so happy. I could just walk off the stage and just be happy, right? Drop the mic. That's, I feel like I'd break it, but I like it. So it is a ploy to get you on the dream team, but let me just tell you this. It's not because we need you. Don't get me wrong. We love you. We want to know your story, your passions, what God has placed in your heart, what you want to do to make an impact in this world. We want to know your life. We want to do life with you, but we don't need you. We're going to set up church. We're going to do the movement church week in and week out. We're going to serve. We're going to set up, tear down, teach your kids about the Bible. We're going to preach the word. We're going to sing worship week in, week out. This is going to happen whether you join the dream team or not. You need the dream team. You need to serve in the house of the Lord. And let me tell you why. When you start to serve in the house, something begins to just develop inside of you. Passions you didn't even know you had begin to come out. And you start to realize what you were actually created for. You start realizing that this life is more than this life, right? It's about more than me and my nine to five and going home and going to the gym and taking care of the kids. There's something bigger that I need to be a part of. And your destiny and your purpose begins to develop. 
At the Movement Church, we believe that your destiny is directly tied to what God is doing in and through the local church. So you might be wondering, what does that look like? How do I serve? How do, we, how do I be a part of the dream team? Well, conveniently enough, tonight at 4.30 p.m., I got all the answers for you. Just ask me a question. I'm going to give you the answer. Tonight at 4.30 p.m., for real, we have our welcome to church party. What's that? Well, we like to party at the Movement Church, so we call everything a little bit of a party. But you just come out, and you get to learn more about who the Movement Church is, what makes us us, because there's a lot of great churches in Orange County and in the area that you can go to. And we want to make sure you find your right fit. We hope it's the Movement Church, but we're about you finding the church that you can plug into, plant in, and that destiny can be pulled out of you, right? And so tonight at 4.30, you can come and be part of the Welcome to Church party. If you haven't been, I'm challenged you do so today. Cancel your plans. The dinner is not that great. It's not football season, so you really don't have anything important going on, right? And so just come. Be a part of the Welcome to Church party. Afterwards, you can hang out with, at our Dream Team rally with some of the most passionate people I know. You heard him screaming earlier. That's right. There you go, Dream Team. And you can hang out. We've got dinner, child care. We'll tell you all the details later on. But just make it a priority. Just come. What's the worst that can happen? It's an hour of your life. We're going to feed you good fee- food. We're going to have desserts, coffee. We're going to have everything there. Just meet some of the team. Learn about who we are. And we hope that you decide to jump on the Dream Team, on the dream team right? In John 2.17, Jesus is talking to God, and he says this, zeal for your house will consume me. Consume me. Not just be something I do on Sunday mornings, but consume me. Right? We are called to be like Christ. We are called to have that same heartbeat. You want to stay zealous in your life? You want to live a passionate life? Serve in the house of the Lord. So number one, serve the Lord. Number two, rejoice in hope. If you're taking notes, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the Greek is actually a salutation in its original translation. It's a greeting, something you speak or something you say. So you're rejoicing in hope. You're actually sharing your story of hope. And we all have one in here. You know, when a tidal wave hits the ground, it doesn't just affect its original point of contact, but it goes out in front to the sides, behind it into the water where it came from, and it creates a sphere of influence. We are all called to reach different spheres of influence. And this looks different for everybody. It really depends on your season of life. For moms and dads, it looks like parents at the drop-off and pick-up line, after-school activities, what you're doing on the weekends, at the soccer game, right? For us single people in here, got any single people? Oh, my God, really? None? You're all married? That's awesome. So if you're single in here, first of all, you need to get a little passion. You need to start talking back to me. Secondly, you need to invite some people to church, all right? But that looks like who you're hanging out with on Friday and Saturday night, the person you're working out with. I just started working out at a new place, and so I've just been starting to have conversations with people. And it's kind of hard because you're, you're running in, you've got this 40-minute workout. It's a boot camp style, and so you're like, how do I actually invest in these people? But there's a way. You just start talking, and you learn their name, and then, like, I'm really intentional about it every week. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure that person's my partner all week. And so they have to know my name, and they're going to be like, what's different about her? And eventually it's going to lead to a time where I'm going to get to share my story of hope. Because someday they're going to come in in the morning at 6.30 in the morning, and they're going to be upset because their husband did something stupid the night before, and they're going to just tell me about it in the middle of the workout. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not married, but I can tell you something. I know who the source of my hope is. I can tell you that you shouldn't quit, and here's why. I can tell you what God actually has planned for your marriage. I don't have to be married to tell you that. I've read the Bible. I know what it says, right? And so I get to share my story of hope. We all have spheres of influence that we are called to reach. You know, right now I'm actually in a season of my life that 
it's starting to get better, but it started to rock the boat for me a little bit. It's probably something that rocked my faith the most in my journey thus far. And I'm actually on some medication that I need to, you know, like, make everything work right up there. And so at first, yeah, that's right. At first, it was a little bit scary. I actually called Megan and was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, like, I was, I was really, like, having a hard time. And so I started thinking about it. And specifically, I started thinking about how am I supposed to do what I'm called to do with this new thing that, that doctors are telling me, right? And so I started working through that because that was a huge challenge for me. I am who I am. I'm able to live my life on purpose and with passion because I know what I'm created and called to do. God has shown me that. And so I can't imagine my life any other way. Literally, it would be unfulfilled if I didn't have that part in my life, right? So this really rocked my faith. But I began to pray. I began to get in the word. I began to journal and just ask God, okay, what does this look like? What does this look like for me? And it could have just taken me out, honest to God. It could have just, that's it. And close the book. That's Brianna's story right then and there. But you know what? I got a little angry, got a little fire on the inside of me. And one day I just said, you know what? No, this is not going to define me, but this is going to be another piece of my story, right? Another part, sorry, another part of my story of hope. Another area in which I get to explain to someone the hope that I experience on a daily basis, even though it might not make sense. So you can tell me, hey, here's what I would do. Or some people might say, yeah, that really should take you out. But I, it's not going to. That, that might be what you would do, but not me. Because I know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Right? And so that's what rejoicing and hope is all about. You want to be passionate and live a zealous life. Start sharing your story. Whatever it looks like. It's crazy how God works. I had an opportunity just the other day. Of course, I'm just working through this, right? So it's pretty raw for me. And I was at work. There was some downtime. I was just talking to a coworker, and it just came up. So I was like, oh, God, here we go. I said I was going to share my story. So, yay, go me. And so pray for boldness, and then I just go for it. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to tell her what's the worst that can happen. I'm going to point her to Jesus, so can't really go wrong. And so I just started talking. And I started sharing my story. And it greatly impacted that individual. She's specifically in the medical field. And so medicine is always the answer, which I'm for medicine. I'm taking it, right? And so I'm not against medicine. I believe that it's an incredible help. And it's probably part of the answer that God has for me in this season, in this time. But it's not the end-all, be-all. You don't just pop a pill and then, boom, everything's okay. No, you still have to get in the Word. You still got to pray. You still got to ask God, what does this look like for my life? And you still believe in healing. And so I got to express and tell her that that's what rejoicing and hope is. It's about helping people in your sphere of influence identify with your story of hope. Right? And so what does it look like? Well, it always starts with a story, like a hurricane. We're talking about natural disasters today. A hurricane starts far off the shore. But before it ever hits the shore and creates an impact, there's a brewing, a stirring in the eye of the storm. Sometimes that splits off and creates other storms and it has an even wider reach and even greater impact, right? But it starts with a stirring. Right now, some of you hearing me tell my story, getting all choked up like a baby, you feel a stirring inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, there is somebody that needs to hear your story, right? And so what is your story of hope and who should you be sharing it with? You want to have a zealous life. You want to stay zealous. Start talking. Rejoice in hope and share your story.
All right, number three, and probably the biggest and baddest of them all, it can literally take you out or it can bring so much passion that it doesn't even make sense is this. Number three, be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. Who likes a little patience in here? Right? Anyone just wake up in the morning? I just want a dose of patience in my coffee. I just sound so good right now. Give me some patience. Right? No. No one, pr- no one asks for patience. Oh, I mean, we pray, God, give me patience for this child or give me patience for this scenario. But we don't request a little extra patience in our life. And so this is a really hard one. I don't know if any of you have ever seen Twister, a brilliant 1996 drama film that's very near and dear to this heart. That's right. I love me some Twister. I don't know why. It just stuck with me as a kid. And it's this dramatic story about these storm chasers are trying to figure out, you know, how a tornado actually works. They've got Dorothy. I used to watch it with, like, my dad all the time. So I know, like, the details of Twister, right? And so there's, like, Dorothy. It's like an R2-D2 looking deal. And you got to put it inside the eye of the storm. And then these cute little tech bug things fly out. They gather all this information. These are really high-tech words I'm using. I know I'm blowing your mind. And so... They all fly out and they gather information about the storm, right? And so in Twister, even as a kid, I mean, you probably knew I had an issue with patience as a kid because I was like, wow, they're so patient. Like, really, they don't ever give up. One thing happens after another thing happens after another thing, and they just don't quit. They just keep going. It's crazy. Like, the truck gets flipped over, and so then Dorothy doesn't open, and, you know, it just fails, whatever. Or they get into the eye of the storm, it's perfectly set, they're waiting, it's going to be this perfect moment. Suddenly, groundbreaking, this is like, oh my gosh, this is the moment. And then, boom, fail. Doesn't even open, nothing happens. I mean, this keeps happening. It's crazy. But they never give up. They're like the epitome of being patient in tribulation. Because they know where they're going, they know where they're headed, and they just choose not to quit. They keep their eye focused on the goal, and they don't give up. I'm guessing they have a little Jesus in their life. I don't know, that's just me. It's just my lad lived to the story. But there's another team in Twister that does give up. They face the same challenges. They have the same end goal, but they just quit. They just choose the pain's too real, the drama's too much. I just can't do it. I'm just going to give up. We're never going to reach this goal. I'm done. I just quit. You know, another group of people that have seen a lot of tribulation or saw a lot of tribulation in their time were the Israelites. And we pick up today in their story where they were just released from Pharaoh and Egyptian slavery, and they're headed towards their promise, their promised land. And they come up to the Red Sea, one of their greatest tribulations or trials yet. And conveniently enough, at the same time, Pharaoh decides, nope, I'm not actually going to let you go. So he's going to come in on the other side with the Egyptian army. And so the Israelites, of course, begin to grumble, like they tend to do in their story. And... They're, they're really having a panic attack. I don't know if they had panic attacks then, but I feel like they probably did. And so they begin to be fearful and worried, and, you know, they're just kind of having a hard time. And so they've got the Red Sea at their front and Pharaoh at their back, and they've got pressure coming in from all sides. And isn't that kind of what tribulation feels like? Like pressure from all sides? Like there's no way out? Like it's just straight hopeless? You're searching and grasping for air, but you can't get it? Right? And look at what God tells Moses to tell the people. In Exodus 4.13, he says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, 
and you have only to be silent. You know, there's a lot of different reactions we can have to tribulation. We can try and gain control. We can try and fix. We can avoid, deny, distract, spend too much time in Hulu or Netflix. Who's ever been guilty of that? I know I have. Right? There's so many different ways we can respond and react to tribulation. But the Bible is so clear. Jesus tells us in that scripture, stand firm, be silent, and wait for me. Just wait for me. I've got it figured out. You are not God. Thank you very much. I've got this one. Right? And so when you're waiting for that promise, when the promised land is just on the other side of that Red Sea, what do you do? You stand firm. When your marriage feels like it's being shaken, do you give up like that other team? No, you stand firm. Don't quit. The Lord will answer. When you're waiting for that promotion or that job so that you can finally pay your bills without stress and your family can go out to eat at La Serena and not stress about it, stand firm. Don't quit. Right? God has it. He already has it figured out. All you have to do in the middle, I say all like it's easy. It's not easy, but it is simple. The word lays it out, lays it out for us. Excuse me. Be patient in tribulation. Stand firm. Be silent and wait for the Lord. He already has the answer. He's in the answer. And here's what we have to look forward to in the wait. Because he's going to figure it out for us. He's going to part the Red Sea. He's going to kill the Egyptian army. He's got it figured out. Whatever that looks like for you, he's in the answer. Know that. The word says that his promises are yes and amen. That he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He is God. He is never failing. He is ever faithful. He is for you. He will fight for you. All you have to do is stand firm, be silent, and wait for the Lord. And in the wait, this is what we have to look forward to. See, this passion looks a little bit different, right? All the other ones look like serving and rejoicing and going out and being big and having this loud and intense passion and zeal about your life. This one looks like waiting. It's what I like to call passionate patience. I pray for it every day. God, give me a little passionate patience, right? But here's what we have in the wait to look forward to. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says this. Such a good word. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I hope I said that right because I just lost my notes. But I'm pretty sure that was right. I know what you're thinking, right? They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall soar like wings of eagles. In that moment, you're just thinking, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Just kidding. Just kidding. I just figured since Patrick Carey wasn't up here, someone needed to sing to you this morning. So I just had to take a little one for the team. It's not my normal thing. But no, for real, in the moment, when you're in the middle of tribulation, just be patient. God's got it. All right, and the third or the fourth thing, and the last one, we're almost done here, guys, is this. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. This is not something that we do or a key that stands on its own like the others, but it's something that we do in the midst of the others, in the midst of serving the Lord, in the midst of rejoicing in hope, in the midst of being patient in tribulation. We be constant in prayer. We are constant in prayer. You know, in Ephesians 6, after it talks about putting on the armor of God, and if you don't know about the armor of God, you should go in there and you should read it. It's powerful. It's really just a mental and spiritual exercise where you can say, God, drive my heart 
the way my heart feels today. God, drive the way my feet walk today. Help me with the way my mind thinks today. Something that you can put on for you, for your family every day. Read about it. But right after, in verse 18, it says this in Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. At all times. Not when we feel like it. But at all times. What does that look like? Well, when you're driving in your car. When you're making your breakfast. When you're sitting down for your cup of coffee. Right? Already we want to make prayer part of our routine. Because when we plan on it, we can count on it. Right? And so in the morning plan on waking up a little bit early, you can handle the flesh, the five minutes less of sleep. I promise you did it today, so you can do it in other days. Yeah? So plan on it, but then pray at all times throughout your day. Whether it's out loud because you're by yourself, whether it's in your head. Like that moment when I was rejoicing in hope and sharing my story, I was praying because I was nervous about what this was going to look like, this, how this conversation was going to go. So I just prayed, God, give me boldness. God, direct my steps. And I just prayed that in my head, in that moment. That's what praying at all times looks like. Never ceasing, being constant in prayer. Guys, I really do believe that we are called to live a passionate and zealous life. And to create an incredible impact. Leave a mark. One of the markings of a Christian is zeal. And we are called to live a zealous life and leave a mark. So do these four things. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. And you will see a life of zeal begin to take place, begin to stir inside your heart. Especially when you pray. When you pray, God just begins to stir something on the inside. And you're going to do that all the way through. You're just going to pray. And he's going to create a passion inside of you that you didn't even know you had. A life inside of you that you didn't even know you had. A hope that you didn't even know you had. Yeah? You know, there's some of you in here today who might be so lacking in zeal, so lacking in hope that you can't even imagine living a zealous life because that's so the antithesis of how you're currently feeling. I get it. I've been there. But let me tell you what restores hope. There's a Savior. He loves you. He loves you dearly. You are not the summation of your imperfection, but you are who he says he is. And you want to feel hope in your life? All you have to do is surrender to him. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you've never said that prayer, for it's been a long time, and it's time for you to come running back with some zeal in your step. Today's the day. Let me just challenge you. The Bible is clear. It says that we are all in need of a a Savior because we have fallen short. We've all sinned. And there's a great consequence to that sin. But it also says that Jesus paid the price for that sin, and it's free. All we have to do is say yes. Accept Jesus into our hearts. Surrender the control to him. And I promise you will see hope. You will see zeal in your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, in your own way and in your own heart, say this prayer with me. Jesus, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the hope that you are. God, we ask right now that you would begin to stir inside of our hearts a zeal and a passion that we didn't even know that we had so big that we cannot contain it. 
God, we know that we've all made mistakes, that we've all sinned. So right now, this morning, we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us of our sins. God, we ask that you would just come into our hearts. We surrender our lives to you as our Savior. And we ask that you would restore hope today.
Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.